Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. Before we get into it, this episode is brought to you by Happy Valley, who strives to give everyone the premium cannabis experience by providing consistent quality products and exceptional customer service. It was founded by longtime cannabis consumers who were frustrated with the industry's erratic experiences and lack of accountability. Guys, they really do have some of the best in Massachusetts. They have amazing deals. I got a 0.5 gram cart for $36 the other day, and they have a gram for 72. I don't know how long that deal is going for, but that means you should go right now and check it out. And I was honestly giving up on their dispensary flower because the quality I was getting was just not there. I was really not about to go back. But with Happy Valley, they cured their cannabis flower for two weeks or more to provide an enhanced terpene profile, ideal moisture ratio, and increased psychotropic potency. And their pre-rolls are filled with pure ground flour, never trim. And if you're a cannabis connoisseur, you know how big of a difference that makes. Didn't get that promotion you wanted? Happy Valley. Your crush left you unread? Try Happy Valley. Not only in the stressful times, but in the good times when you have the chance to enhance any moment, why not pick up your own stash to enjoy? Visit the Happy Valley store in East Boston today to get 20% off a single accessory with the promo code DOPE. All right, guys, today I am here with Gary Roberts. He's a firefighter who strives to empower others through plants, health, and fitness through his podcast called Good Dudes Grow. He believes it's time to change the way depression, PTSD, and addiction are treated, and I completely agree with him. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. Hey, thank you for having me. Um, I'm just going to step out, go to Hapa Valley, and I'll be right back. <laughs> awesome. You definitely should. So tell us, what did you go through that sparked the urge to create your podcast? Uh, well, I, I had a 27-year-old daughter who had a car accident, and she got addicted to uh, opiates. And she was in and out of rehab, and I started to find out, you know, how can I change that? So I started looking down into the marijuana cannabis route when Florida started looking to get it legalized for medical cannabis. And unfortunately, before it actually became legal, she passed away exactly on the day she was actually born. So that wow. led me down that that road. And I decided, you know, need to tell people about it. But being a firefighter, you're you're petrified. You can only, well, I'm a firefighter, yeah. you know, I get, I can't, I'll lose my job, lose my pension, lose everything. So I was hiding behind a curtain until I finally got ahead enough. And I says, you know what, it's time to get out. So I went out to my union and says, hey, we need to change this. We need, us firefighters need to get access to this. They said, no, slam the door. I said, okay, I'll go to my health and resources. I told them, they said, nope, slam the door. I went to upper management, talked to them. They says, nope, slam the door. I says, well, what am I going to do? Uh, what's the old saying? If you want everybody to listen, you shout from the rooftops. I just created a podcast and said, I'm just going to keep blabbing it. If they want to listen, they can listen. If they don't you know, sooner or later, they're going to hear about it. And that's basically what happened. Uh, eight months ago, I did a presentation for our union to the city uh, management about how cannabis could help them save money on their health care and save uh, firefighters from committing suicide. Wow, that's amazing. You took that into your own hands. You're like, let's go. I'm, I'm getting right. the word out. Yeah, that's the only way to do it. Someone has to push, right? So how have cannabis and psychedelics impacted your life or others around you? Oh, it, again, you know, the story from my daughter, that was just, just part of the, I guess, the hardship that went down is 
So three months later, my dad died of, of an opiate overdose. Uh, mm. I created a CBD company for my fellow firefighters and I had firefighters coming up to me telling me, you know what, my pain's gone, I'm sleeping better. But it is those weird voices that used to tell me to do things that I didn't want to do that I couldn't get rid of. They started to be silenced. Mm -hmm. So I says, you know what? Uh, this is something that needs to get out. Let's let's investigate more. I dove deep into the medical aspect of it. And that slowly led me into the uh, aspect of psychedelics and what that could do for the mind. And that created a whole new venture that I'm actually in the, in the process of creating now. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Those psychedelics really, they do a whole wonder on the mind right there. <laughs> that like cannabis, I feel like, I mean, it matters on the person, but it's, it can be good for like, you know, quieting out those like bad voices, but you know, it's so cool how I think psychedelics can like reprogram the way you think and really show you things from a whole outside perspective. So that's why psychedelics to me, I feel like way more powerful when it comes to like changing your mindset. Um, but so how and why can cannabis psychedelics help with addiction? Well, uh, like I, I've interviewed several people on my podcast from professional athletes to physicians to entrepreneurs who were all addicted to these medications and they slowly decided to like, you know, let's try cannabis. And what I found in my own uh, trials with the people that I did, it was like, basically don't quit your, your, your pain meds and just to go to yeah. cannabis. That's never a good idea. That's totally the wrong way to do it. But why don't you just try to actually take a little bit of cannabis instead of that extra pain med and then slowly build that way. And you'll slowly start seeing that these medications actually work a lot better. They work on the receptors that cause the pain. So if you can get those receptors firing on a natural product that won't destroy your body or won't actually go, you know, cause more damage later on, it's something that you wanted to try. So I gave it to a lot of people. They tried it uh, and they, they basically got off their, their pain meds, just like the people in my podcast. Yeah. Oh, it's cannabis can be amazing for that because I mean, I quit my nicotine addiction with cannabis. We, I mean, also CBD <laughs> needed both, but yeah, it really like took away the urge for me to even want uh, the nicotine. Yeah, uh, and I've also I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I've also uh, interviewed someone who, you know, started a whole like cannabis recovery group and she was able to, you know, quit heroin and her opioid addictions with uh, with cannabis. So it's been sick. Well, I was an athlete, like a CrossFit athlete, you know, not being too, too young. And I actually ended up having double Achilles tendonitis. So Ooh. basically not very comfortable if you've ever had a plantar fasciitis or something like that, but try and having even twice as painful in both feet. And then being a firefighter carrying 80 pounds of gear on your back. You know, mm -hmm. I had it for a whole year and I went through everything from prednisone to, uh, you know, narcotics to massages, you know, the freeze, everything. The last resort was actually going to be slicing the bottom of my feet to relieve the pain. And I'm like, uh, I don't think, you know, will it work? They're like, well, we're not 100% sure. I'm like, well, we're not doing it. Uh, <laughs> but then I tried CBD and, and I'm like, the first couple of times I had it, it was the worst thing ever because I ordered it from California. Florida was still not allowed, you know, so it comes into a uh, DHL package that, you know, it says perfume or something because mm. they had to hide it back then. <laughs> yeah. and, and it tasted terrible. And I'm like, you know, I'm a fitness guru. Anything that tastes bad and works, I'm in. We're doing it. <laughs> Yeah. No, it didn't do it. It tasted bad and didn't work. So I'm like, wow, this is not going to happen. And then finally, I found uh, the company that uh, the farm that I'm with now, I took it. And within 20 minutes later, my pain went from a eight to a three. 
And wow. I'm like, oh my God, this is, this is, this is incredible. And my wife goes, you're a moron. It's a placebo effect. It doesn't work that fast. And I'm like, you're right. You know what? It's gotta be something I wanted to work. I'm going to the gym tomorrow and jump rope. So uh, medical advice not given by me. Don't do that. Never do that. Not the brightest thing to do. But again, I wanted to test out whether the product was a placebo or not. And the pain didn't get worse. And as I stayed on the CBD, it actually slowly disappeared. And the pain has never been back since. So, you wow. know, on a personal note, I, I really believe in it. it, it it's because it's, I can't take uh, cannabis or, or anything else because I still get drug tested. But on the CBD mm. aspect, it was it was an eye opener. And that's why I, I promote it consistently through my company and through my podcast. That's awesome. So were you using CBD oil or like the topical? I was using CBD oil. Mm-hmm. Wow. And it like really managed the pain for your your feet. With, within 20 minutes, I felt a difference. That's wild. <laughs> Usually you hear about CBD taking like a longer process to work, but I, it matters to the person and definitely the product too. But that's awesome. I, I, de- I definitely believe it matters with the genetics, it, genetics and metabolism. It's, you know, mm-hmm. you, everybody, everybody's genetics are different and your metabolism different. So how you metabolize stuff, it's, it's extremely different. Yes. And like, I mean, I've had amazing um, experiences with CBD topicals too. Like I, you know, I love to work out and I get super sore. I just put that CBD topical on like three times a day. And in two days I'm completely fine. While normally I would be out for like a week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I agree with you. I have the same thing. It's like, you know, instant relief. I can't sleep. Knee hurts. Put it on back to sleep. No problem. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. So we were, since we we're talking about exercise, can physical exercise help with addiction and mental health? I believe yes. Yeah. Uh, and again, it, the whole addiction and mental health aspect is not just, just in the mind. It's a whole mind, body, soul connection. So if your mind's not working right, you're not going to want to work out. I'm sure everybody who's had bad days who works out and their mind's not there, you just don't want to work out. But then you go do that five-minute move or you work when you didn't want to, and you've had the best workout of your life. Mm-hmm. You know, we've all had that. So the same thing, if your body's not working, your mind's going to tell you to stop. So we teach people, if you can find out which one's going to quit first, whether your mind's going to quit or your body's going to quit first, when you do something, train that one to be equal as the other one. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden it works in conjunction and it gives you something. I mean, it, it gives you, you know, addiction you were looking for that, that, and I'm, trust me, I'm not a, an addict and I don't want to, to take it away from everybody else. I don't believe, uh, I hate the word addict because my daughter was not an addict or anything else. And I hate the way they portray addicts on TV. That's not who these people Mm -hmm. are. These are people who got stuck in in, in a bad rut and couldn't get out. So it's a way for them to get out and feel good from either the first time they walk, the first time they move their body, you know, it, it makes them feel good. And if you keep having those wins over and over, it's gonna be able to actually stop you from going, backwards to whatever was bothering you. When I lost my daughter, I spent most of my time in my gym mm. because it, it was the only place that I actually felt comfortable and the more blood flowing got through my body, the better I felt. So it's the same thing I, I believe with addiction. If we can change that to a more healthier lifestyle and not mm-hmm. just think, you know, take these pills and it'll work for you and change the way they're actually being uh, treated. I, I think it'll be a lot better. Mm, yeah. And like you get all those endorphins, the, the dopamine from working out, like you're still, you're giving your brain those actual real chemicals that, that your brain wants to feel, not the fake version. 
Exactly. And you feel good the next. Well, unless you work, unless you'd like us and we work out too hard and you feel good the next day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So definitely addiction exercise definitely, definitely helps with addiction and it distracts you too. And you feel like you're moving ahead. You're getting through it. But not only exercise, and, and that's what a lot of people think. The pillow people think, well, we're just talking about exercise. Better nutrition. Listen, you're yes. when you're when you're uh, when you're on so many medications, whether you're addicted or not, it, it depletes you from your natural body's need for vitamins. So if you do that and your food's off, again, your body's gonna feel like crap. You won't want to go work out. So if your nutrition gets better and you get the vitamins that you need and, and your body feels better, you're gonna wanna move more. You wanna move more, your mind feels better. And it, like I said, it's a whole big you know, aura of mind-body that actually creates a better soul for everybody. Yes, like food is directly related to health, like mental health, especially because I've noticed, you know, when I'm eating a little worse, my mental health goes down like immediately because I'm used to having a healthy diet. I've grown up like that. My mom's super like health nut. So <laughs> I get so many vitamins, like vegetables, everything when I'm home, then go to college. I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> <It's> so <sluggish. laughs> yeah, so the beer it, diet from college. That's yeah. it. what kills everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the oh, and I learned about the, the microbiome. And how like your gut, you know, has a certain different bacteria in it. And once you, I feel like once you start thinking of it that way, like you're feeding the bacteria in your gut and some, I don't, I know a lot of people might not even care, but if you're like eating terrible foods, like it's killing the beneficial bacteria that actually help your immune system. So you're like yep. weakening your immune system and, uh, and damaging your mental health at the same time. But what's scary is that some of these microbiomes, like uh, the bacteria, they can't grow back ones that you need. And even just like a week's worth of like binging of doing, eating bad foods can wreck that system up. But yeah, food is very, very important. <laughs> so yeah, why do you feel the addiction industry needs to change? Well, we, when my daughter was, was stuck in opiate, she basically she said she wanted to get help. It wasn't she wasn't forced to get help. She was she said she couldn't live like this anymore, continuously taking these 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 chemicals. And she said, I want to go to rehab. Well, she goes to rehab and then comes out with more chemicals than she came in with. Oh, yeah. It's like, okay, I'm a little confused on how you know you go pick your daughter up thinking that she's been helped, and they give you oh, here's her script for uh Valium, uh Suboxin, and it's like, didn't, didn't we just get her clean? Why why? Oh, she needs it. No, we just we just got her clean. Let's let's give her a, a prescription for exercise and vitamins and better nutrition type style. But what we really found out and what my daughter found out was it wasn't just that. It was that there was a community inside the addiction facilities. So when people relapsed, it was they didn't relapse because they wanted the the chemicals. They relapsed because outside of addiction, they were nobody, but inside addiction, they were a part of a community. Mm. So they knew the people. You'd walk back in and be like, hey, Bob, how's it going? Yeah, I see you're back. I guess, you know. So the goal to change it, we thought, was let's change it to where we can make the community outside of addiction to where they feel safe on the outside to where they don't have to go back inside where they failed safe. Mm -hmm. So that's why the addiction process needs to change. We need to change that community inside and create more of a community for these individuals who, who are down on their luck and who got stuck into something on the outside. Definitely. That is, that would be amazing. Like you need that support group. Cause I, yeah, I agree with that. Like, you know, that's why people get sucked back in. They know people there and they just like, Hey, that's they, it becomes part of their identity too. Like this exactly. is who I am. 
So yes. And a part of changing your identity, you need to change your surroundings and the people who you're with. So, yep. 100%. 100%. I could, I could agree with you more. We even did that in our own gym. We just, we brought people who were leaving addiction process and brought them in our, on our gym and we let them work out with federal judges, police officers, firefighters, and everybody of all tops of walks of life. And in the beginning, they were standoffish. And to decide, but then when these people who they didn't know who they were would talk to them, they started interacting better, they started feeling better, then they started coming more often, they felt comfortable. And then when they walked in, it was the same thing as going to the addiction facilities where he said, Hey Bob, how's it going? Great, I'm ready to work out. You know, it, it's it's something like that. And most of the people that continued that now are no longer actually addicted and are actually have jobs. We were able to get them jobs with people that they met in the gym. So it was actually a quite an interesting uh, science project we did without anybody knowing. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so with mental health, how do you see athletes and first responders as a parallel industry? Oh, that's that's simple. We're both basically they, they call first responders tactical athletes because we need to be on our game at an instant moment. You know, mm -hmm. we train consistently to save lives. If we if we don't do that, somebody might die. So we are always on. It's kind of like an athlete. They always want to win. So they're always going to try to be on, practice consistently, read consistently, do whatever they have to do so that one game they can be on because if they don't, they're not going to make it to the championships. But imagine this. A lot of people don't understand that in the sports industry, they're letting more and more athletes use, use cannabis and stuff. So you got a baseball player who uses cannabis the night before to relax so he get a good night's sleep because the next game is the world championships. And he's got to hit a fastball going 100 miles an hour and he can hit one. Mm -hmm. So what? What's what's the difference with first responders? Why can't we use it for a good night's sleep? Because the next right. day we got to be on it. We got to be on. We're not going to hit a fastball, but I, I guarantee you, we still need to be on. If it doesn't affect the guy that's going to have something thrown at him at 100 miles an hour, I don't think it's going to affect the the guy that's you know going to help you save your kids and and everything. So right. that's where I see the parallel. I think they they work, you know, exactly together because our life depends on our job, and their life depends on their job. So mm -hmm. we need to actually treat, why don't we treat both the same way? Right. I think it's crazy that first responders, I mean, I know it's like, it's because it's federally illegal and all that stuff, but like, you know, if you're, a lot of people go towards alcohol or even worse options to de-stress and those, you know, the side effects of those drugs are so much worse than cannabis, which just relax you all like, you know, news today right there's a wnba star who literally just got sentenced to nine years for carrying a tiny bit of weed oil to russia i'm like are you serious like that's you know decreases the inflammation like you know relaxes you there is nothing crazy about weed oil <laughs> like, why? like what nine years well, it's, it's like, what do you think she was going to do? She was going to light one up in the middle of a game. Like, that's not what they, you know, it's the same. That's what everybody says. It goes, oh, you guys are going to be stoned all day driving fire trucks. I'm like, what are you talking about? We're allowed to drink and take Percocets. Do you think we're going to do that? We know. Exactly. You, know, you think we do it on the job? Yeah. What we do, we stay in a job. We have dinner and we got in back, throw down a couple of Percocets with a Jack Daniels. And we just wait for the next call. No, we understand our job. We're not going to light yeah. a bong up while we're on shift. Why are you worried about it? It's just ridiculous. The yeah. thinking's just, just it, it, like you said, it just dumbfounds me how the people think. Yes. <laughs> it's just like they don't, I feel like a lot of people just don't have enough education. And even like my twin brother is a cop. 
So, and he like, it's funny because I'm, you know, into cannabis and he, he's a cop. So it's really hard to educate him about certain things because all he's thinking about is like, oh, you know how much jail time you're going <laughs> to <laughs> And I'm like, bro, can you just hear me? <laughs> but yeah, they, they don't see it as anything medicinal. They all, they, their view is just drugs. So like, there's a lot of education that needs to be spread around, especially with, within those communities as well. 100%. Yes. So do first responders have access to CBD? Absolutely not. So unless, like I said, I have my own company. I provide it to to my firefighters and several firefighters across the nation because I have a, a, I use an isolate product or a CBD, CBG product, Hmm. which is better for us sleep and and pain meds. But I double test, triple test it to make sure there's no THC in it. But no, we don't have access. And And even though CBD is actually federally legal and you can buy it at every gas station, every grocery store, it is redundant because we have inadequate drug tests. Mm. We use a, a urinalysis test that shows for a non-active ingredient that doesn't even show we're, we're you know, we're, we're impaired. So why would I take a piss test? So if I take a piss test, let's say I have, I, I use Adderall. Okay. Let's say I use Adderall cause I can't focus. So I take a piss mm-hmm. test. It comes up as an amphetamine. Okay. Well, it's the same thing as me doing a line of cocaine. Right. Well, I got a script. So we're good to go. Here's a script. Oh, you're good. Have a nice day. So I could do lines of cocaine and pretend it's Adderall, but I can't use the stuff that I can buy on the market right beside the vitamin E because the piss test says, you know, it's, it's you you have it in your, your, your body for the last seven days. Ridiculous. <laughs> Ridiculous. Uh, yeah. This just, just shows people how crazy it is for now that we're talking about it. It's like, wow. I, it just, it makes me really okay, upset. Just by the way, I, no firefighters. I didn't give you that advice to use that if you want to go out and do some cocaine. It's not not, not advisable. Let's just delete this part of the whole podcast right now. Cut that portion out because that's you know, now everybody's gonna be texting me because where do you get your stuff, dude? I'm like no, 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 no. So, do you believe first responders should be allowed to consume cannabis or psychedelics off duty? One hundred percent. One hundred and fifty percent. Listen, if I can if I can go out and down a whole bottle of Jack Daniels eight hour, eight hours before I go on shift, I should be able to take can because I can't sleep or because I, I see see. And again, let me go back a bit, because a lot of times people look at first responders because they see what they see on TV. Mm. Right. They see the guy who comes out of the burning building. He's got a little dark stuff on him. He's really hot. He's like sweaty. Like, oh, yeah, look at that. He's cool. That's really not what first responders for. It's completely different than what people perceive as as a veteran or somebody who's in the army. Mm. You see those army movies, you see people being blown up and shot and everything else. Well, guess what? If I join the army, I may or may not see somebody shot or blown up for the next four years because I may not go to war. Mm. It's not a guarantee. As a firefighter, you sign a job or career for 20 years and you will guarantee to see somebody destroyed, mangled in a car, pull somebody out of the fire to where their skin gets stuck to your gloves, where you de- you derobe them from their own skin, where you smell their body burning, where you're, you, you have a baby that can't breathe in a pool. You will see it guaranteed for 20 years. So listen, after That's 20 years of suppressing your feelings, uh, divorce rate is through the roof with, with, with first responders because we have no more feelings. We, mm-hmm. It's a job to us. There's nothing that excites us, you know, that, that goes wrong. It's basically a natural reaction to us just being monotone. Right. Well, that monotone sooner or later builds up in mental health. 
Mm-hmm. And then what ends up happening when nobody believes what we can't take it anymore. And the only way we can shot off the monotone thing is at the end of a gun. Mm-hmm. You know what? And that doesn't help by taking depressive medications that subdue you. So where you can't function or you look completely useless, you know, you're already looking useless to your family members because you're monotone now to add, add an antidepressant on it. That doesn't work that you, you know, that doesn't seem to be doing what it's doing. It's just covering the, and dulling the effects. So you can't see all these visions the rest of your life. Listen, like you said in the beginning of the podcast, psychedelics can help change the mind and rewire. You can re-see what's going through, what your biggest traumas are and learn to deal with them. Cannabis can help you sleep and feel and relax so that you can actually get a better night's sleep. More sleep, less insomnia means less chances of having nightmares and stuff like this. So do I believe the first responders should get access to these products? 100%. I don't want these people to wait till the only choice they have is the end of a gun before mm-hmm. they actually get access to this. This is ridiculous. We, we get a body scan every year to check for cancer, lumps, and everything else to make sure our body is, is, is clean and healthy. You know, we get poked, prodded, sonared, anything, whatever, but we do nothing for the shoulders up. Mm-hmm. Why don't we change that? Yeah. Why don't we give access to all first responders to have access to a, a mental test or even a, a facility they can go and do a thing of psychedelics so that PTSD doesn't build up. Yep. So it doesn't become gun or not. Mm-hmm. It, it, that's that's basically my rant for that. Wow. <laughs> that was very that was very powerful. I got goosebumps. I gonna lie. Like, no, it's so true. Like, why don't we have options? Like, that's just crazy. Like, mental health is the most important thing that rules your whole life, you know, and that's the first point of work that you got to put in is your mental. So if if that's going downhill, everything else is going to go downhill too. That's right. So we need to allow us to, you know, have the options. If we want to try psychedelics, why not? If we're doing it in the comfort of our own homes or in a safe space, we're not going to hurt anyone. It's for your own self-discovery and letting go of trauma and healing. Like that's, Nothing else will give you that, you know, kind of journey that psychedelics could give you, I feel like, with yourself. Exactly. But yeah. So what advice would you give to people battling addictions or their mental health? Well, both goes together. But Well, I don't know what other people are going through, but first respond. I'll talk for the first responder point of view. I think it'll be easier for me to do that. Like I said, if you get the last question, first responders, we suppress our feelings. We're type A personalities. You're not going to tell me, hey, listen, you look, you know, what's going on? Tell me about it. We're not telling you. Yeah, we don't. We're, we're not. We're not going to see a poster on the wall that says, oh, you 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 feel sad or see something. Call this number. It's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Listen, you don't know what we go through. We're, we're explaining it to you it, 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 and, and even a doctor who doesn't know anything about a, what a firefighter does is redundant because they will have no idea what to ask. You, you have no idea what to say. It says, well, yesterday I just pulled a kid out of a fire and I, I tore all his skin off from his hip to his ankle. And, you know, I smelt them all day long. This is, you know, how can you help me doc? You mm. what? Yeah. Tell me about it. I just told you about it. What, what do you want me to do? You want me to give you a better description? I just told you, you know, it, it's not going to work. So when, when you have something and you want, you need to talk about it. But what I like the fact about like products like CBD on that, 
it relaxes like firefighters, like I said in the beginning, to where they can actually open up. When I found out when people were taking the CBD for pain, but they actually opened up and like these type A personalities, tough guys who run into burning buildings and will destroy a building to get you out is actually saying, hey, listen, I heard voices and your product stopped it. You know, voluntarily, that's what needs to be done. But for those who are battling it, find somebody who's either in the industry or who's battling it, who's taking these substances and just talk to them. Whether mm -hmm. you're going to do these substances or not, they're going to understand more of what you're going through than somebody who's not been out there in the world, you know, dealing with this stuff. Right. Somebody on the other line, somebody who just, these people who are actually going to use these substances know what you're talking about and they feel a little more comfortable. So just reach out to them. They're very willing. They're very, you know, open to listening to you. They know what you're going through. You know, and, and that's the biggest thing. I, like in fitness, the last thing I would want to do is go to somebody who doesn't work out because you have no idea how it feels to work out. Mm -hmm. So for you to give me advice, go ahead, push through it five more. I'm like, what, well, dude, you don't, you look like crap. What are you telling me five more? It hurts. You know, it, it's so the same thing with psychedelics and stuff like that. So if you get somebody who's actually been through a, a mental illness or, or been through uh, traumas like that, they're more open to talk to you. So go ahead and find find one of these people and talk to them. There, there are communities out there. There are stuff. If you don't have one, call me. I'll, I'll lead you to one that they can actually talk to. Awesome. So talking about the mentally being mentally tough, you know, going through all of this, like as a first responder, you have to be extremely mentally tough. So how did you use that to help you keep pushing through all that you've been through in life? And how can others also build their mental toughness to help them get through difficult patches in their lives? Ooh, the mental toughness question. That's a tough one because I actually built my mental toughness in the gym. I'll be honest. Mm. Uh, I, I do CrossFit. It's not a, an easy thing to do. Everybody's like, oh, you know, you drank the Kool-Aid, whatever. So, you know, <laughs> I, I got to drink. I got to dig a hole to stop a gas leak from every blowing up on a tank. In, in, in 110 degree weather, wearing 80 pounds worth of gear, sweating as fast as I can. So, Jeez. you know, CrossFit teaches the same way. And I said it from the beginning, you need to understand which one's going to quit. Is your body going to quit on you first or is your mind going to quit on you first? Find out which one's going to quit. Test yourself. I always tell everybody, here's a good test for you. I need you to do 100 pull-ups. And they all look at me goes, 100 pull-ups. It's never going to happen. You're crazy. Yeah. Do one pull-up. Oh, I can do one. Do another one. Mm -hmm. sooner or later, you're going to get a hundred. Mm -hmm. That's how you got to look to be mental toughness. If you want to build yourself, give you those small goals and then push yourself a little bit further. And that in the mind will actually take the body. You'll know which one will quit. Mm -hmm. And guess what? That one's got to push the other one. And then that's how you're actually going to build that mental toughness. But mental toughness is just a thing that you can, you know, it's mind over matter. I hate to use mind over matter, but it's just, it's training yourself to do that extra little bit. You know, mm -hmm. in, in firefighting and everything else, if you don't do that extra little bit, somebody could die. Right. So it, it's it's training. It It just doesn't come. You're not going to read it from a book. You're not going to read, you know, it from uh, those 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 videos you watch, you know, on TV, the inspirational videos. They're just words that you wake up in the morning. And I love if you are going to read a book about mental toughness, read winning from uh, Tim Grover, because basically that's what it is. Hmm. it's either you're going to do it or you're not going to do it. There is no maybe kind of sort of tomorrow and to do it, you got to be mentally ready to do it and then do it and understand that you still may not win. Yeah. Your patient still may die no matter hmm. how hard or whatever you do, you got to understand that, but you will still go all in no matter what. Mm -hmm. 
Yep. Got to be ready for anything that comes your way pretty much. But yeah, this was amazing advice. Tell us about the site you're building in Costa Rica. Oh, that this has been three years of my life that I've been doing it in my daughter's name, basically using wow. cannabis and psychedelics. Like I said in the beginning, I wanted to change the way addiction companies were uh, facilities were working, and I couldn't do it in the United States. Too much red tape, too much this. You can't use, you know, cannabis is still federally legal. You can't use psychedelics, still federally legal. The DEA says yes, then it says no, and then you have no idea what's going on. So I said, how can we create something that'll benefit the United States, Canada, and everywhere else afterwards? But we can still use these products. So we actually made partnerships in uh, Canada, United States, Australia, and UK, and we're building a facility out in Costa Rica that's actually going to be doing treatments for mental health, uh, education for mental health, because one of the biggest things a lot of people don't understand, it's great to use psychedelics, but psychedelics is just a tool. If you don't have the rest of the toolbox, it's not going to help. So you can go to these places, do ayahuasca, come back and, you know, you can still be screwed up because you have nobody to talk to you because nobody knows about it. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to train physicians and people out there so that when people come back from these places, they have people that knows what's going through and they, they're actually going to be able to participate in these, in these, these compounds themselves. So they're really going to know what you went through. So they're going to know your journey and be able to talk to you. So not only treat, not only educate, but we're also part- partnering with the whole, uh, hospitals down there that we're going to actually do clinical trials. The biggest wow. thing missing in the United States, Canada, everywhere is a access to these compounds and be proper data to show how safe these compounds are or how not safe they are, you know, mm-hmm. how to use them properly compared to just, you know, let's, let's just wing it going from genetic testing to, you know, let's just, Hey, let's just go Molly and freaking Molly ourselves up. You know, let's find out how we can use it safely again. So like I said before, we can create a preventative medicine type style to stop a lot of these uh, um, conditions that are coming out that these medications help because that's what yeah. they are. They are medications. There's nothing, you know, there's no against pharma. They're, you know, they are pharmaceuticals. They're a medicine mm-hmm. you know, pharma is not going to stop. They're like, Oh, pharma is going to stop it from happening. They're not going to stop it from happening. You're all creating compounds to be bought out by big pharma. Let's, let's not lie what you're doing. You're not, mm-hmm. you're not battling the $400 billion pharma company. You're hoping the $400 billion pharma comes over and goes, Hey, I like what you did. Here's 350 million. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's be honest. So, no. but, but, but to do that, you know, people say, well, it's not true. Well, the two largest pharmaceutical purchases in the last two years were cannabis companies, <laughs> you know, the, the GW Pharma, but for their uh, epilogues for for seizures, bought it. Were bought out for a couple of billion dollars, and there was another company bought out just after that. Why? Because they had credible data. They didn't have data because they wanted to sell product. They had a data because they wanted to show it did something. So mm-hmm. we're going to create a facility that'll be a, a quarter of the cost where they can come down. The companies can come down, do clinical trials, use our facility as a complete data hub to where they can gain this information and take it so they can actually create proper and safe. Efficacy, efficacy, efficient use of these medications when it becomes available to the public in, in, you know, five, 10 years. Wow. That is absolutely incredible. <laughs> but the good part about it, here's the cool part about it. What I call it, it's the first five-star all-inclusive cannabis and psychedelic resort. No way. It's going to be a resort. It's, it's a, it's a five-star resort. It's underneath the, the it's underneath oh. the hub of a resort. Basically we created, oh, we have one goodness. of the top, top Michelin chefs creating a fully infused cannabis a restaurant and lounge. So it's, it's going to be a beautiful place. I need to come visit. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. We'll hook you up. We'll hook all your yeah. listeners up. 
Yes. Me too. <laughs> Awesome. So where can people find your podcast, your social media, anything you got? My podcast is all over. It's on all it's on all the networks and on iHeartRadio, Amazon. It's called Good News Grow. Good News Grow. Uh, you can go to goodnewsgrow.com. That's the website where you can see all the uh, the current episodes and, and some reruns of stuff we were doing. Uh, you can visit me on my new IG, Good News Grow podcast, because they canceled my last IG because they didn't like all the cannabis stuff, probably. So <laughs> the, the struggle is real. <laughs> struggle is real. So my educational thing is back up just with the podcast after end. All right. The same thing you can follow us. Good Dudes Grow on uh, Facebook. If you're interested in our facility, it's called Promises Innovative Recovery. The uh, website actually just went live today. Mm-hmm. It's it's also on Instagram called PIR Med Resorts, and it's called uh, PIR Resorts on Facebook. Sick. Woo, thank you so much. And guys, do not forget to pick up some goods from Happy Valley when you want to unlock the premium cannabis experience. Visit the Happy Valley store in East Boston today to get 20% off a single accessory with the promo code DOPE. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here today, Gary. It was so amazing to talk with you and hear your story. And I truly hope so much success for this you know, site in Costa Rica and all that you do. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It was great. It was my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, host of Casually Baked the Podcast. If you're curious to explore the highly responsible side of cannabis, farming, and legalization, I'm here to help lighten the stigma and build your can of confidence. Download episodes now of Casually Baked the Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And journey with me through the evolving cannabis culture and discover how and why people like you are adding cannabis to their wellness toolkit. It's time to get casually baked.